Welcome to Green Tea, sustainable stories from Bowdoin's campus and beyond. My name is Holden Turner. And I'm Juliette Min. Green Tea is a production of the Office of Sustainability at Bowdoin College, sharing the perspectives of students, staff, and community members. So today we're here with Karen and Benjamin. And uh, okay, so first we're gonna ask you just to introduce yourselves. My name is Perrin. Uh, I'm a senior here at Bowdoin, or I guess you could call it a junior and a half, um, and I'm an EOS major here. Hello, I'm Benjamin. Uh, I'm also a senior, but I'm a real senior. So, um, I use he or they pronouns, and I'm excited to chat with y'all. Awesome. So we heard that you guys both recently went on a study abroad program, but this program wasn't exactly abroad. It was within the U.S. Um, can you tell us more about this program and um, what led you to it? Yeah, well, Perrin Par was actually on it first. I, I, I truly, after after the fall, I found that with my, like, learning style and just who I am, I think this was a pretty common experience that I just, like, really didn't feel I was able to actually learn and be a remotely functional human um, taking classes online. And so for the spring, I was really looking for any opportunity to be able to have an in-person experiential learning experience. Luckily, like when I asked Christine, I said, quote, Christine, what is the, how could I possibly have an in-person learning experience? What is the most likely abroad program that will be in-person and will run? Yeah. And she directed me to um, this program in Arizona through Round River Conservation Studies, which is a both, um, they're a, independent nonprofit that does a lot of um, research around conservation, land stewardship, um, often in collaboration with um, indigenous communities, especially in um, in Canada, and then also with like a lot of other local communities in Tanzania, and now Mongolia, and also in Patagonia's in Chile, uh, and most recently through Skyland Alliance, which is a local conservation and political or conservation organization in Southern Arizona. Um, and so that's kind of part of how I ended up there with an interest in ecology, conservation, biology. Um, yeah, Perrin got there first. I, I beat Benjamin to it. <laughs> <laughs> and um, I was signed up for Round River's Patagonia mm -hmm. semester um, for, the pa for the spring of my junior year. But then with COVID, that got canceled. They canceled all of their abroad programs because all of the other programs were doing the same. And so they decided to run one new program in Arizona. So they basically asked like everyone that had been on all their other programs, do you want to switch to this like domestic program? Cause this mm -hmm. will run. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people I think decided not to, and they wanted like a, a br actual abroad experience yeah. and they decided to postpone. But um, a few of us were like, yes, like I, mm -hmm. I'm good with whatever and let's switch it up. So um, I was similar to Benjamin and wanted, I didn't, really want to do online school and I was like I, we had this opportunity to go yeah. somewhere else and learn and so I was like sure so yeah, yeah. that's how I got there and also I also want to add like one of the great things about Red River is that there are a lot of as a as an abroad as an abroad program and also as just generally as an organization they don't go anywhere that they're not asked to come to mm. which is one of the things that made me feel a lot more excited about being there wow, because yeah. in general a lot of abroad programs especially when they're related to uh, conservation or broadly in service and research mm -hmm. there is kind of like these elements of um, the need to address the privilege of uh, 
people coming from really privileged institutions, mm -hmm. many of whom also come from privileged backgrounds, going into spaces that they don't really have a lot of cultural literacy in, mm -hmm. um, and already have difficult relationships with kind of like US especially, but probably Western paternalism. Mm -hmm. And so it was really meaningful to hear how Round River really only went to places where they were asked to come, mm -hmm. and that we were really gonna end up being um, essentially like moderately, but not even very skilled bodies doing the work that these organizations needed to have done. Mm -hmm. um, so what we were mainly doing is we were doing a lot of, we were mainly doing field work for this organization, Skyland Alliance. Mm -hmm. At the border wall, we were uh, doing surveys of basically the plant, so the plant communities that yep. were there. Yep. They have a massive camera trap um, oh. study going on. Camera traps basically just like, not actual traps, they just like mm -hmm. catch photos of animals that are walking by. So mm -hmm. when uh, not Mayan comes by this camera, it takes a photo. It takes, it takes a photo. photo. Yeah. yeah. Okay, cool. But these are randomly put out. So they don't have bait. They don't have, they're not even like around places where they know they're going to find them. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of more authentically like showing like, okay, these are the animals that are in this sensitive area. Mm -hmm. And this is what's going to be sacrificed if the border wall extends through this critical area. Wow. Yeah. Th that's yeah. a good right description. Wow. <laughs> so how many people were on your program? Um, so there were six of us. Wow, and only six? Yeah, six. <laughs> Intimate. We into the program. The Round River, that's what's one thing that's really cool about Round River is that they limit it to 10 students usually. Mm -hmm. um, and it can be anywhere like five to 10 basically. And um, there were two instructors, so it was eight of us total. Wow. wow. Yeah. And just to clarify, you two are on the same program? And we, yeah, because yeah. they were only running one this, mm -hmm. whole, yeah. this whole year. So we were there together, wow. representing awesome. both of them. <laughs> <laughs> we love each other. We so. love each other so much. <laughs> okay, so it's it's arrival day. You fly in. You get there to your site. What are the emotions? Mm. Oh, yeah, yeah, That's yeah, a great yeah. question. <laughs> I was anxious as heck. Like I I don't know. Like I didn't really know what to expect. I've been just like living with my partner in like tiny place like in the northeast and then all of a sudden now like i'm in the desert mm -hmm. i run into parent pa i stay with parent at the same campsite and we drive down together mm -hmm. and we meet all of these people that we know we're going to end up knowing really well but like it's awkward it was and a also... bizarre experience <laughs> yeah <laughs> it was, and you also you don't like you haven't seen new people for like Literally. a year because of covid yeah, yeah. so you show up and you're like and we were we drove like two hours into the middle of the desert with nothing like nothing yeah. is there like yeah. it's just bumpy you, dirt you roads. pass tucson like you go through a secure uh border checkpoint that was mm -hmm. like wow. mm. you're just out there mm. yeah and we were in a ghost town so we like show up to the ghost town and they're like hi and we're like <laughs> like the credit building <laughs> <and they're> like, <laughs> it's really funny wait the ghost said hi the, the ghost said hi ghost obviously <laughs> yeah no like one of the one of our instructors was there to greet everyone yeah. but everyone being six people and it trickled <laughs> in so it was very just like Yay, we're here! And it's so hot. Yeah, it was really hot. Like, it's literally February, and we're oh, sweating so hard. Mm. Yeah. Did you stay in that area for the entire time? No. We, um, that was our base camp. Yeah. And so there was, there's a family that owns the ghost town. Okay. Um, it's an old mining town that was called Ruby, Arizona. Ruby, um, Arizona. Ruby, four <laughs> <love> miles. <laughs> it was four miles from the Mexican border, um, and a family bought it once it kind of the town went yeah. went downhill and now they use it as a campground and kind of they've renovated one house for themselves so yeah. they come down there sometimes but mm -hmm. um, they still kind of they collectively were, owned by like the descendants of ruby 
Yeah. These are mainly like the land like managers. Yeah. But it's complicated. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so basically that was our home base and they were so nice and let us stay there for the whole semester. Yeah. But we would go out on trips um, pretty often going car camping and backpacking around along the border of Arizona um, and Mexico to do the studies that we were doing and to, you know, collect camera trap data, change out SIM cards, backpack survey springs. And so that was all done out outside of Ruby. So it was yeah. probably, I would say, like half and half, half split. And half. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. So a lot of the work that you did while you were abroad was very hands-on, right? Kind of outside the classroom, doing a lot of adventure yeah. and yeah. getting your yes. hands dirty. Yeah. How was very that? Dirty. Was it very, oh, very dirty. <laughs> <laughs> was it very different? Uh, was it a style that you liked? Because that yeah. must be very different from yeah. like just attending classes at Bowdoin, even when you're just in person doing things yeah, normally. Totally. It's been so hard to adjust back to these classes. Mm -hmm. Really? Because like, so I also did the marine science semester, which is like program like through like the biology department where you spend basically the entire, um, the entire fall doing work from like 8.30 to 3.30 mm -hmm. at the Coastal Study Center. Um, so it was pretty similar to that, where like then we would, our schedules would be dictated by the tides, we would go out in the mornings and, and basically look at all the different creatures that were in um, different coastal regions around Maine. Um, and so it was kind of like, in that way, part of it was very familiar. And also like, I have like, <laughs> pretty strong ADHD, and mm -hmm. so shifting between classes all the time has always been really hard for me. Mm. and learning by sitting has always been a big challenge for me mm -hmm. and so I learned more in this program than I have in any other like semester of my life easily because we were able to actually see um, how like what we were learning in conservation biology in the history of like in the natural history of this land learning like what creatures have been here and what ecosystems have changed with time and different forms of human habitation mm. the relationship between colonialism and conservation as well like being able to actually see like wow okay this these are the most arid regions which is where um now the reservations are whereas yeah. these spaces that are now that we see as being much more the places that are the conservation priorities are the places that we've now kicked people out of and that's one of the reasons why they're suffering it's because yeah. mm -hmm. we have removed like the tono on people from spaces that they've historically been stewarding mm -hmm. and so now this conservation work is necessary because us as colonizers, colonizers have not really been able to care for this land mm -hmm. so when we're walking around in the springs um in like the mountains around arizona and we're seeing that the entire area is dominated by like one type or like a few different types of like algal, algal scum that are just covering the surface because mm -hmm. all of the banks have been trampled by cattle mm -hmm. and their manure has just caused these algal blooms that have only allowed for other invasives and disturbance loving plants to live mm -hmm. um and that was one of the other big project um that we were looking at throughout the whole semester was springs, yeah. um, natural natural yeah. sources of groundwater that exist in the mountains around there. And a lot of people don't know that there's actually a, like a, it's, the program was called Sky Islands um, because there are these mountain ranges that are kind of like islands with these plains in between, like, like oh, grassland wow. seas, I mm. guess you could yeah. call them, between them. And so we were backpacking in the mountains, and each mountain range has different plants, different animals. Like, they're, it's really biodiverse. And so we were looking at, like, where these animals and plants get their water in the mm -hmm. desert, because there's actually a decent amount of water, and, like, it snowed on one of our trips, and it was in Arizona in, like, the spring. Like, wow. That's so, a lot of snow, too. 
Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was cold. For California boy. <laughs> so, yeah, that, so one of our big projects was seeing, are these springs, um, you know, a source of water that we can rely on into the future? Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, if not, why is that? Because yeah. climate change is happening, and we're using too much water, too. Yeah, Arizona, some, two of Arizona's main exports are citrus and cattle. Which are both insanely water intensive in yeah. their and it's a desert, needs. So. And it's a literal desert. Yeah. <laughs> so when you frame the question that way, it sounds as if you've reached a conclusion in which there's too much water being used. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's not our conclusion. It's it's kind of yeah. It's 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 a broader conclusion that we were kind of then investigating in these different ways. Because yeah. while while we're saying like this is kind of what we're talking about in terms of like connecting this to um, conservation needs and connecting this to uh, things that need to change. The research itself is really questions. These kind of like ideas are not the, we're not doing this work to prove why, right. like right. You start certain things question. need to happen. Yeah. The Skyline Alliance does like a really wonderful job of setting out a really like broad array of experiments. And then the conclusions from then, from those inform then how they're trying to mm-hmm. lobby for particular types of change. Mm-hmm. But it, it's all very much like rooted in the research and the results from that work that um, we and other like community members as well, it's not just us, it's also like other community members from like Tucson, from the other Great Lakes Island region, um, in addition to like typical more like people with like masters and PhDs who are then processing the data. It sounds very collaborative, as in you are not going into this and having an individual research project as far as what you've been telling me. Mm-hmm. And instead, it seems like there's more of a body of knowledge created altogether. Yeah, so that was it. one thing that's really unique about Round River as a abroad program um, is that the students are doing independent research, but the research is then going, we give the research to the organization that we're partnered with. Yeah. So in this case, it was Sky Island Alliance that we were partnered with. And so we were doing our research all together. Like we were all collecting camera trapped data and we were all going out and surveying springs and we were all doing that all together. And then we would come back and having and get all that data. And then we all had our independent report that we wrote mm-hmm. and then gave all of those to Sky Island Alliance. Yeah. So, Benjamin and I weren't working on the same project, but we had both collected data together for mm-hmm. both of them, yeah. and then we just would write them up differently. Yeah. Um, so it's very collaborative, and it was kind of a community science approach, mm-hmm. I would say. Um, they also have community members that go out and help them, so we were kind of just adding to that yeah. community member force that they were community science scientists. Mm-hmm. Um, and also so, doing yeah. a lot of work that people like, who are also like, either retired and are might have like different levels of like, physical ability, which is a lot of their community scientists are people who are retired and have that time. But even people who are working, like they can't put in as much time to do this. So then we were able to do like gaps. months and months of work in, mm-hmm. in the small amount of time that we were actually helping them. Because how often do you get like a field crew of eight people that are going to work free. basically full time, <laughs> free, for free, mm-hmm. free, paying? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 If we wanted to, for example, bring in some of those really great teaching and learning ideas um, into our classrooms at Bowdoin, um, are there anything, is there anything about the collaborative environment or the way that um, this study abroad, abroad (laughs) program um, kind of 
was it was so outdoorsy focused and so hands-on um, that it was better suited for certain types of people are those are there some of those aspects of what you experienced abroad that you kind of wish uh, Bowdoin had adopted a little bit more in the way that they teach EOS classes or any other type of science courses out here I mean I think it would be hard to adopt the Round River model for Bowdoin um, just because it's a different structure. It's all of our classes, even when we were in class, quote unquote class, um, we were just sitting in a group of six people talking about a reading that we had read and it was student-led discussion and we mm -hmm. led the discussion ourselves and, and could take it where we wanted to go. Um, so, and then all of our classes were very focused around the work that we were doing. So instead of having a really wide variety of classes, each one very separate, they all contributed to like the same body of knowledge and they all worked together. So it was almost like we were just taking one class, that one big class, and then doing one big research project that were both connected. So I think that would be hard. I mean, the marine science semester seems yeah. much more like that, but I would yeah. say that it would be pretty hard to incorporate that at Bowdoin. But I think that one thing that I, I, do, I did really appreciate about Run River was being able, being like really actively encouraged to ask like why we're doing what we're doing. Mm. And I think especially in, at least like, so I, I'm, I'm a biology major yep. within like the ecology, evolution, and marine biology concert, con concentration. And I feel like oftentimes that question of like why we're doing what we're doing isn't mm -hmm. often asked. Or it's kind of like implied that like, you know, we all know. But I imagine if you ask different people, it would be different things ranging from like, I have to take this class as a requirement, or like this is just like the basic of biology that you have to learn. Like I, I'm in a like a biochemistry and cell biology class right now, and it can be a little more difficult to think about like why those questions are as important when it's not like stuff that like the research we are doing actively affects the lives of like many many people and also right. non-human organisms as well. Because mm -hmm. mm -hmm. um, you can't talk about at least specifically like you can't talk about <laughs> the springs and you can't talk about the border wall without also considering like the very real and also intended human impacts. Yeah. Um, but I think that that would be a lot more meaningful. It's like, why are we actually learning about the central dogma in biology? What are like, what is the significance of this outside of an academic or classroom mm -hmm. context? Mm -hmm. And I think that people might approach that in different ways and different professors might have, like I, I know a lot of professors that have actually been wanting to have those conversations. I don't feel like they have the time mm -hmm. or support, mm -hmm. but that's something that I feel like I'm trying to bring into being here, is being more intentional about that. Because I only got one more year, and then I don't know where I'll be, so. Mm -hmm. That is an excellent point. There are so many different approaches to even what seems like the most fundamental questions in a field, about yeah. why we learn them, why we think about them in the way that we do, and why we spend so much time on them. Mm -hmm. Great question. And that's one of, I mean, we ask everyone who comes in here about the, what sustainability means, and mm. that's something we're gonna ask you at the end of this, um, but, everyone gives so many different answers that it is very clear to us that like there are so many different single approaches to even this one topic. So we've talked a lot about the kind of work that you've done, but what about the play that you, like the, the play, the fun aspects of, of study yeah. abroad? Like what, what was, what was fun about being there? Fun story. <laughs> well, um, I can, it was my birthday yeah. when, we were, when we were there. And um, <laughs> so the, the group organized a scavenger hunt for me. And so I was running around like this ghost town all over the place. Like, it's creepy. Following these, yeah, clues. <laughs> and it was like, yeah. 
in in these old buildings and caves and stuff. There's and a I, frog. And I, yeah, I go into the I go into the old what the old schoolhouse, and <laughs> this uh, you could you you should tell this. Part. <laughs> so I was hiding there for at least like an hour because I've been misinformed about when Perrin was actually going to be coming, hiding behind a door like a door that like has been taken off a hinge, which is lying there. I'm hiding behind it, waiting for Perrin, because one of her scavenger hunt things was for her to go in there. And I leap out and say, yell, happy birthday, and then I sprint away. Because, <laughs> like, when you get to know people, like, they become your play, they become your work, and that's, yeah. like, such a special thing. And, like, so much of it, I think that, I think also in addition to those, like, fun moments together, like, when we're dancing, playing music, people's birthdays, also just, like, being able to combine both, like, the knowledge that we're gaining with like a sense of like childish like joy and wonder yeah in our work because like school oftentimes is very very serious and the work that we're doing is very very serious mm -hmm. but it's hard to actually communicate and engage other people just with gravity yes in the absence of kind of like joy and wonder and curiosity yeah. mm -hmm. which if we're talking about like sustainability, that's one of the ways I think that people find to sustainably engage with this. Like, mm. we are in one of, the, one of the most like in Arizona, southern Arizona, biodiverse and beautiful places in the entire nation. Yeah, right. People don't know that this desert is one of those biodiverse spaces in the entire nation. Yeah. Mm -hmm. right. And so being able to see like these javelina, these little—they're not pigs, but they kind of look like little baby, like pink creatures, <laughs> like sprinting across. Right. It's like Parent and I were on a run. Or like just being able to like wander around the hills mm. and just like look at all the different like things that we can read from the landscape about like what this plant means here, yeah. about like what this like little like claw next to a clump of fur and coyote scat means. Like mm -hmm. being able to actually have that intimacy with the land that just like facilitates so much. Like ooh, like what am I, what are we gonna find next? What are we gonna like <laughs> learn next? What's gonna be under this rock? Mm -hmm. And I think when you live with the people that you're doing school with and you're like twenty four seven with this group of eight people, mm -hmm. yeah. um, it all everything is adds to the experience so like we were cooking together so yeah. that was like play like we would just cook fun meals and make like we made just like bread music. on the like camp stove all the time or my first loaf of sourdough bread on this trip <laughs> we, um and yeah so all of that i feel like added to the play like you kind of just it's all it's all together wrapped yeah. up in it which is i thought was beautiful but i mean also it was a beautiful biodiverse place and also a very serious um, issue that was always on our minds was mm -hmm. migration and like the border wall was yeah. like right there so like yeah. it was kind of a two-sided thing of very intense and like serious suffering that yeah. was happening all around us all the time and then also like this beautiful land landscape at the same so yeah we talked a lot about that yeah mm -hmm. so one of the questions that we've kind of come to you for, to ask is the question of study abroad in this day and age because yeah. with study abroad it's with um, travel being a little bit more restrictive around COVID policies and all that very few people are having the opportunity to study abroad these days so the question we have for you is like what advice would you give to someone who wants to study abroad in the coronavirus era and um, where would you direct them towards not just for Round River but more general advice I would say, I think people have, when they think about abroad, they think like, this is the experience that I want. And um, it's like for me almost like, like mm -hmm. I want to travel and I want to like explore this new place. And um, people choose very carefully and they've kind of researched the, the program and the city that they're going to or the not city that they're going to. 
And I think I would just say like maybe flexibility and just diving into whatever you, uh, whatever opportunity that you have is really important because I think the people that were in Arizona all decided, okay, I guess we'll like switch our whole plan and go to Arizona instead. And that can, it sounds a lot less sexy than going to like hike in Patagonia or like go to Mongolia or whatever. Or even like going to like Madrid and like... Or yeah, Madrid. And I think a lot of people that turned them off of the program, but I would say like it was, I think it was more impactful than going abroad because we were learning about our own country. So it was very relevant and it was applicable to like, I would say more applicable to our futures and to like our lives than anything that we could have done abroad. And also like moderately, I mean obviously there's so much like cultural diversity is like really high in the U.S., especially like we are essentially in Mexico at this point in terms of like the ecology of it, but like to already have like to be in a place where you already have a certain degree of cultural literacy and be in a place where you already have a certain degree of like political literacy as well. But I I think that like one of the things that like I wish that I thought about more just in general is like, like why do I feel like I need to go outside of this country? And like what are my main reasons for going abroad? Is it because like parents saying of this like idea of what I need to like have a full college experience? Yeah. Or, like, am I going to actually just, like, experience, like, a world that is different from my own? And, like, mm-hmm. where can I actually find that element of, like, guided discomfort? Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Even if it doesn't match this concrete idea that I used to have in my mind. And it's it's easier because, like, we were with people that already felt really comfortable in the outdoors. And we're sleeping in tents every day. And that's something that, like, would already be, like, a, like, I don't want to do that for a lot of people. So that's, like, some element of, like, how our privilege, like, made this easier of a decision for us mm-hmm. but there are a lot of different opportunities across the spectrum of like time in the outdoors that might be safer in the era of covid mm-hmm. um that like will hopefully meet people's needs i think i think the two aspects that made it okay with covid and that i would say for other people that are looking for abroad experiences are small group sizes yeah. mm-hmm. makes it way easier and then yeah rural ruralness of the program yeah. and and the domestic aspect, of course, but yeah. I think being okay with those th- those aspects of an abroad experience, it's just as powerful, I yeah. think. Yeah, ready to ask our last question? Yeah, sure. So thank you guys so much for, you know, speaking to us about this, your amazing experience, uh, it seems like, uh, in Arizona. Um, we have one last question for you, and it is a question we ask everybody, um, and that is, what does sustainability mean to you? <laughs> that was a big question. That's, yeah, yeah, that's go a good question. I'm thinking, but Benjamin, you've already answered it a little bit. Yeah. Um, I, if you want to speak to that more, if you want to let Karen go first, I think that because what I was thinking about was like the sustainability about <laughs> considering sustainability, because like working in conservation is an aggressively exhausting thing, and burnout, especially like in like even just like in the organizations that we were working with, mm-hmm. is insanely high. Yeah. Yeah. People rarely stick around for more than like a few years because these positions normally don't pay very well mm-hmm. and demand a lot of people. Mm-hmm. And so I think that when I was talking with like the individuals in the organization that we were working with, with like our mentors, our instructors that we were working with, sustainability in the context of one's like personal relationship with conservation and pursuing a more sustainable world. So I'm kind of like, I guess taking a step back from it and thinking it in a slightly like more personal context requires I think an ability to return to what motivates like 
for me, at least, like, what motivates me to want to dedicate my life to conservation biology? Mm -hmm. What dedicates me to motivate? What motivates me to like be a part of trying to participate in healing a lot of like the damage that like a certain like <laughs> our like particular group of humans has caused mm -hmm. um, so damagingly like in this world. And I think that a lot of that is like wonder and curiosity and joy and also like anger and frustration and I think being able to like hold those in balance and be able to revisit both of those because if it's just wonder and it's just that joy then that can not hold room for like the necessary anger and rage mm -hmm. that is a, also motivating this work mm -hmm. so I think that finding that kind of like balance in like my and like others like motivation to like be a part of this necessary work is what I'm hoping would allow me to sustainably be a part of this for hopefully like my life. I, I don't know if this is my definition of sustainability, but in this context, I've been, I've been thinking a lot about sustainability, sustainably being involved with climate movements and conservation work and just communities in general. And I think for me, like, community care and like shared love and mm. um, just pure time spent with people is what makes an experience sustainable and I think that's something that I've been thinking about since I've been back at Bowdoin where there's so many people and there's so much going on and it honestly doesn't feel that sustainable to me mm. whereas in Arizona like just having a more family um, set up a family structured life um, where everyone w cared for each other and was just there all the time th through the good and the bad times, um, all working on the same thing. That felt more sustainable to me because, like Benjamin said, we were working with difficult topics and um, burnout is very common. And so I think to combat that, just like the play and the fun and like the shared mm -hmm. love and yeah. those small experiences, like make it sustainable to yeah. keep doing the, those those things yeah. yes lots of like community love yeah deal. which I think is harder to find at a traditional educational <laughs> institution <laughs> yeah. in my experience yeah. yeah well thank you so much for those answers we are so happy to have you today thank you for spending this time together and uh, we look forward to seeing you around campus awesome. thank you thank so you much Joe. for having us of course yeah <laughs> Throughout the 2021-2022 academic year, Green Tea is collecting stories about sustainability from students, staff, and community members. Stay tuned for more episodes, and thanks for listening.